You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. It's phenomenal. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's highly probable. We're not prepared. Love is unstoppable. I'm not concerned. We gonna be straighted in perms. Yep. Me in the germ. I talk with God. Can he confirm everything that we can bank on his word? Sunshine, you came and changed your lives. You don't know. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter. Yes, we are here with our illustrious co-host. What's up, Brittany? Peace, Piper Carter. How are you? I'm good. Good to hear your voice. What's up, Jaira? Hey, everyone. And we have an amazing guest, one of our most incredible artists that has been doing just great things over the last let's say this part of the the decade and just doing more great things and just transforming lives wherever she goes welcome mahogany jones thank you guys so much for having me i'm so so happy to to be back home to be with family um happy to be a guest on the Piper Carter uh, podcast, especially considering that this is the 100th episode. So, I mean, actually, no, this is beyond the 100th episode. What episode is this? I think it's like 116 or something like that. Pretty gangster. So really, but, really happy to be a guest. Well, Mahogany, and, um, I must say, this is really cool for us to be bringing in Women's History Month even though we're two weeks in, that to have a guest like you during this month is epic, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about Women's History Month, right? We go back. I mean, Piper's going to get into it. I mean, emceeing is an understatement, right? We talk mm-hmm. about freestyling, right? The art of freestyling. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, uh, you know, true hip-hop lyricism, you know? I mean, I don't know. I think your picture should be in a dictionary next to it, you know? So <laughs> we are very excited to have you on the show um, in general, um, right? In general, but thank you for bringing your energy uh, within the within uh, Women's History Month as we celebrate. Yeah, nah, I'm 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 honored. I think I learned so much about what it means to be a, a woman in this genre and to be an advocate, um, just from Piper, you know, and just so many others who I've had just the the privilege to kind of just like be a part of movements with. So yeah, I'm happy. We out here. We doing it. We got two more weeks to go to celebrate. And of course, you know, just like Black History Month is all year round, right? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely just grateful. So let's yes. get it. All right. Awesome. So, well, as usual, you know, we want to get into some of the, uh, you know, more ritual parts of our show so that uh, we can have some, uh, some understanding of what's going on in our world. So with that, Jaira, take it away with the tech report, my friend. All right. Um, let me pull up this real quick, one sec. You there, Jaira? <laughs> yes, I'm here, sorry. I was trying to pull up the facts. Okay, so... Um, I want to talk about drones a little bit. Um, considering what happened to me last week, I unfortunately got my drone stuck in a tree. 
during a uh, music video shoot. And, no. Um, oh my God. Did you get it out? <laughs> yeah, luckily I was able to get it out. I oh. paid for someone to get it out. Even though I got the fire department, but all they did was just spray it with water, which didn't help at all. Um, but I want to talk about a new drone that just recently came out. It's called the DJ, DJI FPV, which stands for First Person View. And it these drones are, um, they're meant for like racing and uh, having like competition as far as, you know, zipping through the air, doing tricks in the air um, during these competitions. But this one is, has gone more mainstream for people that, you know, like an average person that just wants to fly a drone for the experience or just people who um, already have drone experience and just want to have the more um, free will to do flips in the air, to um, go at least like 60 miles per hour uh, and just do things that normal drones can't possibly do um, with like the different acrobatics that the new drone has. Um, also, it features a new pair of goggles that um, these racing drones usually have that you wear to, while flying. And uh, let me see. Also, the reason why I want to talk about it is because um, drones in general are becoming more popular. A lot of people, a lot of more people are being more attracted to them than they used to be. Um, I want to know how you, do you all feel about it? Do you are you scared of drones? If you were to see one, what, how do you all react when you see one? Like someone using them during, um, like a photo shoot or just you know just having fun with it. Well, for me, the drone is very much a part of our you know photo shoot experience. It's kind of something that most clients kind of just expect you to have nowadays. Um, so I'm kind of used to it too, because P Groove is always flying his drone. He's always buying drones. We have at least, I don't know, something like 10 or 15 drones around this house now. Um, he has a really nice one now with a really amazing camera. So for me, drones are, 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 are pretty normal, but it's because I do photography, but I'm not sure how, yeah, like people who don't do photography, I'm not sure how how that, how folks receive drones in that way. I mean, I get I mean, how people can see them as invasive. Um, and I think especially if you're not doing photography, then it's like, okay, well, what exactly are you using your drone to take surveillance of? So I get how that could be creepy, but I mean, I can't front. We just did a video shoot for my song Floating and it was just like, I wanted the drone to be on deck at all times because the shots that it catches and just the aerial views are just out of this world, right? Like how the fact that you can achieve something like that or that we've come to a place in technology where it's just like, you can get a view like that. and You don't necessarily have to physically be in a plane or, you know what I mean? Like to, to capture shots like that, I think is, is pretty fresh, but I mean, you know, all other intense purposes, I get how I can feel a little Illuminati-ish, a little, uh, a little creepy. <laughs> no, I completely understand that. Um, 
I just wanted to get everyone's point of view on how they feel about them because um, there are instances where people do use them for um, evil or not good. Um, so you do have to be somewhat careful <laughs> with them because some people are kind of, uh, in a way, sensitive to them. Like I've had experiences sometimes where some people like actually get frightened from them. Like when I used to fly my drone sometimes and I would like fly it in like a residential area, um, I'll see some people just like actually get scared from it. Like they uh they like jump or they just be looking at it as this as if it's an alien or something like that. Um but little do people know that there are drones that the military use and they fly them around residential, not necessarily residential areas, but they fly them above us like all day. And um, there was recently a drone attack and like, I'm trying to figure out where it was at, but there was recently a drone attack and I'm trying to find- I think I heard about it. Was it the Middle East? Yeah, there was a recent drone attack there, and a lot of people were so upset about it um, due to they killed innocent people. Um, but, you know, the, the American forces, they thought it was uh, a threat there, but um, there are videos on YouTube as far as, like, through Vice, Vice News, they had a report on it where they were speaking to children, um, about the whole incident and how they felt about it. And they were very upset due to them saying they were just attacked when they weren't doing anything. They were just innocent. And um, the military, the American military had, you know, other words to say towards that as far as, you know, that there was a, a threat to, you know, there's a threat there. But I don't yeah, know how. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just saying that, you know, these, <laughs> so the drones they have now with the military, you can't even see them. Yeah, I know. That's how sneaky they are. They're like so thin and, you know, just, uh, it's, it's really, I mean, we're being surveilled, like, almost 100% of our lives were being surveilled, you know? <clears throat> um, and it's crazy. And and even now, like, majority of the things that, you know, the nefarious things that they do, they, you know, they can do them just from the computer or just from a, you know, something that looks like a video game or, you know, a drone. And so it, it just, it it makes it a bit more so that the person doesn't have to feel like they're doing something terrible. You know what I mean? It, and that's what, that's what makes it, you know, just, it's, it's, uh, it's disheartening. It's like, people don't even know that the, the so-called life that Americans lead is all in the backs of other people in other countries that pay the price because of what the military does to uphold capitalism. You know, um, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so on that end, like all these military drones and these corporate drones, like, no, nah, I'm not for all that kind of stuff. Um, 
And even even they try to make you a criminal, right? Like if you fly your drone too high or you fly into like a restricted space. I know like yeah. you fly in a certain space in uh, Detroit, even like downtown or even like on the North End even now, it's like restricted. You'll get like a, a restriction warning, you know? Um, yeah, you can't even fly it over the science center. Yeah, and like what's at the science center now? That's got me curious. Yeah, no, it's weird how they don't allow you to fly it over the science center. Yeah, that's something to dig into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, there's, um, the, the drones are evolving. And the fact that a lot of people that control the drones, like in the military, for instance, aren't even nowhere near, you know, they're like in a different country or in a different state flying these drones all over the place. And these drones are huge. They're like, the drones that the military use are like the size of a um, commercial plane. They're huge. Like people don't understand how big they are, but they are pretty huge, but you don't really see them because they're so high up in the air and they just hold uh, tons and tons of like arsenal to like, you know, for instance, like just destroy something within seconds. Like somebody's entire village can be gone within like a split second, just from. And like, why would you even want to? Like, why would anyone even want to conceive of anything like that? Right? Like, that's the evil part. Why would it? Why yeah. would that be something like? Oh yeah, and then and then not just like the conception, but like, oh yeah, let's get money and, and like fund that. You know, like that part. Like that's the part that's like. Man, like that, just the evil of that is ridiculous. And for what? It's so that they can control those resources and, and like I said, you know, uphold capitalism so that people over here can pay, I don't know, $2.19 for gas or something ridiculous like that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I know I'm always Debbie Downer with that stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the reality. And I think that's what is so scary, you know, and I think, you know, even though this is not necessarily connected, but I think it's just that thinking in itself, right, that has us just so wary or cautious of all things technology or all new medical developments, because it's kind of like, okay, you're saying you're using it for this. But what is the ultimate, like, what's the ultimate goal? Like, what do you really want to do? You know, and I guess, I, mean, I don't know, like, even just with the whole, I agree. Of, you know what I mean? With the whole what, Mahogany? Just even with the whole idea of just whether or not to take the vaccine, right? It's kind of like, okay, what is the end to the means? Like, how did this even all start like what you know what I mean like I just feel like it I feel like there's so many things that happen covertly that the government issues or releases that have like they have an ultimate end game in mind you know that just involves just a certain level of of control that is just it's just pretty scary it's pretty scary oh man yeah I agree Oh, go ahead, Brittany. No, I was just going to agree with Mahogany. It seems as if everything that happens uh, in our society with people with power, everything serves a dual purpose. It's like they don't even want to do it if it doesn't serve a dual purpose. Make money. 
Yeah. So, well, thank you for that report, Jaira. Um, You're welcome. I don't know if, did you want to say any more? No, um, I, I pretty much said everything that, you know, I had on my mind and wanted to share with everyone. Yeah, so thanks thanks for bringing us that report. Um, Brittany, what, what did you want to bring? You know, um, just to, to, to keep our theme of uh, this show of Women's Month, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, woman boxer Clarissa Shields that's based in Flint, Michigan. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, she's uh she's whoop, awesome, whoop. right? And um she, she uh again she's based in Flint and you know one of the things that Clarissa is known for is wearing the color blue in her hair. Uh she says that she's always going to wear the color blue until the, the 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 crisis in Flint is fixed and we all know though even though that uh it's not being covered through mainstream media that that water and uh, the pipes being replaced are not even close to being finished or fixed. So shout out to her uh, for finding a way, we talk about dual purposes for the good, finding a way to do her social justice work uh, along with boxing. So um, Carissa Shields has made a lot of news uh, lately. I don't know, uh, Piper, if you if you follow because you're, you know, you're so rooted in social media, but she has a lot of celebrity friends, one of them being Halle Berry. And I think it's pretty cool that other women that have, you know, positions of power and that have been in the entertainment field uh, support her. I think it's super cool. And I'd say the couple months ago, the last few months, she had been thinking about dabbling in women's UFC, actually extending her art form uh, into doing mis mixed martial arts. I think personally, it was rooted in, uh, you know, her wanting to make more money and, and getting more um, I would say uh, promotion just because women boxing um, took a peak right when Layla Ali was boxing. Um, but since Layla, I would say it's kind of been on the, on, on the uh, downskirt. And so when we talk about, you know, we talk about the WNBA a lot, Mahogany, and how women need to support it. The marketing and the advertising needs to be better. Um, so it's almost the same thing as women's boxing. It's not, uh, it's not generating a lot of revenue. So the women on the end are not making nearly as much money as male boxers, um, but they're working just as hard. They're training just as hard. They're following the same regiments, uh, just not nowhere near making the same amount of money. So for those reasons, I think that's why Clarissa wanted to step into UFC. Um, just because of how amazing she is at boxing, I, I personally think she can do anything, right? Um, but UFC is a little bit different. I'm not a fan of Dana White, the, the owner of UFC. I think he's beyond greedy. Um, I don't think he cares about his fighters. Um, so I like Clarissa as a boxer. Um, so with that being said, March 5th, uh, which was a couple weeks ago, Clarissa took the ring and made history. Uh, she was able to, uh, that night, unify the WC, the WO, IBF, the WBA, Super Junior Middleweight World Champion, um, by scoring a one-side 10-round unanimous decision against uh, a lady by the name of Marie-Eve Becker, who was also um, almost uh, undefeated. Clarissa's record right now is 11-0 and zero, uh, with two knockouts, which is just absolutely amazing. The other thing that she uniquely did in this fight, she took a page out of Floyd Mayweather's book. Um, she's starting her own promotion. She feels as if uh, she has the resources. Like I said to you guys, she has a lot of women entertainers that uh, promote her, that, that love her, that come to her fights, you know, pre-COVID. 
Um, and so she wants to channel that energy and tap on that market to do her own promotion. So this was her first fight where she promoted the fight, which means that the money uh, that was gained from the fight went almost directly into her pocket um, versus her having to pay a promoter, um, her have to pay for marketing. So not only did she get the win, uh, she also had a success with uh, promoting her first fight. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think when we when we translate things, uh, when we look at music, when we talk about uh, Bandcamp and when we talk about other applications or the art of being an independent artist, I think that is a beautiful place for us right now in 2021 when we're talking about drones and media and uh, independent uh, marketing firms. And I think that the resources are within the Black community uh, specifically amongst women, right? Women are doing all kinds of things. You have women DJs, you have women producers, you have women directors, you have women who own organizations uh, for other women who are doing these amazing things. So to hear Clarissa kind of take a step and uh, out of, I think, the music book and kind of take matters into her own hand, I think that uh, it's more than just boxing when we take a look at this. So happy Women's, uh, happy women's History Month. And I think Clarissa is going to make uh, some amazing history. I don't know if her and Layla Ali should fight. Uh, a lot of people want them to fight just because of it bringing more attention to women's boxing. Um, but not all good money is uh, not all money is good money. Not all promotion is good promotion. Uh, so I, I, I think that it'd be entertaining, entertaining somewhat. But I don't know if they need to do that to push the art form. So uh, that's my piece when it comes to Clarissa Shields. I feel like. But Layla, is, isn't she a different, like, age and weight class? She is. She's definitely a different uh, age and weight class. And from what I heard in the past, that they have not, that they've kind of not seen eye to eye like that, you know, um, that Layla was like Clarissa's, like, idol. And at mm. first they were cool, but then they've had some sort of rift. So I feel like out of respect, like, if they were to make amends and it was, like, clean, um, mm. and if you know, I feel like maybe a fight, but I, I do feel like that's strange. I mean, but then again, who, um, who's the young tennis star that Serena just, um, had a match against and lost? Oh yeah. But, Naomi. Right? That's such a good point. Naomi. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, you know, Serena, she's older skilled, she's established. Right. Um, and then she, you know, gave, you know, she and Naomi had their run. Right. So I don't know. So true. I, I, you know what I'm saying? That's so, a good perspective, I mean, Mahogany. Yeah, I, I think maybe. I didn't even look at it that way. Yeah. So, so yeah. what are you saying, Mahogany? You said so what? I'm saying that if they were able to kind of come, if they were able to like make amends and show like, okay, we support each other, and that you know, it's like it's a clean fight. That's it. I think if it was like a clean fight, I think as far as like intention goes, that it it might be something that is is not bad for the sport, and I think is good. I mean, I I think that. It is true with such a tremendous age difference um, that that's kind of rough because I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, like physically, does that make sense? And what were you saying, Brittany? I think Mahogany's point is a great perspective. I mean, it would be better, like, you know, uh, Mike Tyson did an ex exhibition against Roy Jones Jr., right? It's a, it was a clean fight. They have such amazing respect. And it was a it was a decent fight. And I, you know, so I think the cleaner the better. Um, I don't I think that beyond the animosity, if they were to just have a good fight, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea. 
And then I think the point that Mahogany made about Naomi and Serena, sometimes it's just part of the game. When you're goaded and you're in shape, you're still going to be playing, right? So that's Serena. And Naomi is, you know, they say she's the younger version of Serena. So I think that's good, clean tennis, right? Two Black women, right? Who, you know, two different levels, you know, fighting, again, not fighting, but playing tennis against each other, you know? So I, I guess I can't be too negative about uh, Layla and uh, uh, Clarissa fighting, but I think some of my uh, pullback from it was the animosity that Mahogany just brought up that they have against each other, between each other. I feel like if it's an exhibition, that would be good. But I feel like if it was an actual fight, I feel like that's not fair to the sport because of the, you know, the the, the sport is... The differences. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like, like that's what I felt was okay about the Tyson Roy Jones thing like that made sense because it was an exhibition but as an like an actual fight like that fight doesn't make sense to me and the same thing you know um yeah so I'm really hoping too that you know like you said Layla I mean Layla's gonna always be legendary mostly because of her father now she's an amazing boxer can't take any of that away from her she's done a lot of great things she's a wonderful fighter I I love her like I'm a huge fan but she was able to catapult because of who her dad is right and so with that um I will say that for a long time it was just Layla in terms of like who can you name you know in women's boxing and so now that you know Clarissa's here I'm hoping that that will usher in, you know, an entire, I, I want to say like generation of people that, that where the sport could stay, you know, highlighted in that type of way. I will say that I'm a huge boxing fan of all the sports. Boxing is actually my number one It's boxing and then um, basketball. But I will say this, so many of the, people that I talk to like all the social justice people they hate boxing because you know the violence you know it's barbaric but also because of the capitalism but and I get it but for me of all the sports even though I know all the terrible capitalism that's in boxing and all the corruption that's in boxing for whatever reason maybe because I used to fight growing up in the hood but I, I I really love boxing and the fact that women are getting the opportunity to get endorsements and be able to make some level of money. Now they're not there where they should be yet, but I feel like it's a lot better than they were, you know, completely in the shadows. So I'm just hoping that that grows, you know, from that. So that's all I had on that <laughs> to add. I agree. No, I agree. So, um, do you guys want to get in a little bit of film? Yeah. Mahogany, what's the last movie you've seen? Oddly enough, Coming to America 2 (laughs) was the last film that I saw. Yeah. Yep. And then we saw some called, um, Yes. It was like some movie with like kids and like these parents like giving kids permission. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Elle said yes. 
<laughs> the last one. Peace, Elle. <laughs> Say hi, Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Say Peace. hi. Peace. You say hi. You're going to say hello? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, coming to America. Two. So, coming to America, one, did, were you, a, and this is for everybody. Did you go into this kind of like piggybacking off of the greatness and the freshness and the originality of the first one? Or were you kind of like, you knew it was damned not to be in the same category as the first one? I didn't have an expectation. I was just open to see what they were going to do. Mm. What about mm. you, Mahogany? Um, I'm not going to hold you up. I think I came into it thinking that it was going to be awesome. Um, and I kind of had the same expectation of the greatness. Um, but I'm not gonna front. Like my husband was like, no, like, I'm not going to compare. Don't compare. Don't compare. Don't compare. Just watch the movie. And I think when he said that and watching it with that perspective, it gave it a, it gave it a clean break and allowed me to just kind of enjoy it. If that makes sense. It does make sense. Well, Jaira, did you get a chance to see the film? Yeah, and I loved it. It was. I liked it too. Um, now, okay, so but, but, let me but Jaira, ask you this: did you see, but Jaira, did you see Coming to America one? Yeah, I did. And did you enter into it? You did. Like thinking, like, oh, is it like you know to answers Britney's question? Like, did you enter it thinking like it's gonna be the same or different, or were you just open? Well. <clears throat> I was open, but I also came, I also watched it knowing that it wasn't going to be as serious as the first one because it is a second part to it. So usually when they make second parts of movies, it's usually not as good as the first one, but it's not meant for that. It's meant to be like, this one was meant to be funny. And it was, it was funny. Um, but I don't know. It, the, I just like how they kept the originality of it, like keeping the same characters and adding, you know, new people to make it, you know, into something new for the new generation and the old generation. Um, I agree. Um, to to degrees. Now, I think that the storyline for me could have been better. Um, I think that the storyline could have been like. Mm, I'd say two points better. Like, it, I think I give it like a 6.5 to a seven. Um, but I definitely like how they infuse parts of the old movie because there are so many people. Um, I'd say 30 and younger who have not seen the first one or mm -hmm. understand how great the first one was. So mm -hmm. I love how they infuse that. Um, I love how they use the same characters. I loved Eddie Murphy's disposition, how, you know, King Joffe, not to tell the movie, just kind of lost his way a little bit. I liked how a lot of it took place in Africa. It reminded me, um, again, of how I think Black Panther, the, the Marvel movie, drew a lot from coming to America one um, mm. with the scenes of the dancing mm. and you know what I mean? Like the, the so it just was kind of cool to see, um, you know, like I like Eddie Murphy. I do. Um, I'm not a fan of Eddie Murphy, but something about him that I do understand and that I do like as far as his genius. Um, 
I loved, uh, I like the storyline some, like I think that storyline is actually what made it funny. Um, and I loved his kids. I thought everyone was beautiful. I thought the garments were beautiful. Anything that shows a reflection of black people from a very surface, you know, like when I say surface, it's not like, oh, a black lady that's a chemist and that's also a math teacher that, that also can fly airplanes, right? They either make us super amazing or they make us super niggerish. So it's mm-hmm. kind of good to get the in-between like black, even though there are royalty, it still gave you a different sense of black, right? So I appreciated it for that. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be as good as the first one. I could tell by the trailer, I could just tell, you know, but I took it for what it was. I appreciate them doing it. Um, I think if anything, it'll inspire um, more curators to do things outside the box, come up with different storylines, plot twists. Um, and any, I think, I think that at the least it'll inspire people to make uh, different and original films. You know, I think at the least it'll force generations to go back and see the first one. You know, I think it's a great conversational intergenerational conversational piece so for that they get an a plus for me okay mahogany what what is your critique of the film so i I guess both both sides um i guess i have so both sides so i guess from someone who saw the first one who actually saw the first one like in the movies you know coming to america Mm. and friday definitely like cult favorites right um and thinking about a friday right that had a sequel and then had a third movie right and though the second friday was not as iconic as the first friday it was still good right you think about i just saw another movie that i just recently saw was um to all the boys i ever loved right and that too is like a three-part movie right whereas the first movie is great and the second movie is great and the third movie is even better right so I just feel like I'm grateful that um, Eddie Murphy and that they heard people's cries for like a second one. I think that, you know, in the, in the midst of pandemic, in the midst of craziness, how, um, how delightful is to us to have something kind of to distract us that's like lighthearted, um, i.e. coming to America too. So I think, you know, for it serving that purpose, it was cool. But again, I think for it to be so iconic and for it to feel like they were trying to figure out the storyline and how to piece things together to make it make sense, it felt like the storyline or the plot kind of felt like a car, like a good old reliable car but it's the winter time and it takes a minute for it to get started up. And this is one of those days. So it took like 20 minutes for the car to kind of get started. But then once it got started, it was great. That was what coming to America too was for me personally. Like I just felt like it was hard for them to make, make the beginning of it all make sense. And then once it got rolling, it was good. It was like, Oh, this is cool. Um, And I felt like I really appreciated the, I did love the way that they pictured Africa or sections of Africa and Black people. I thought that that was beautiful. I think that we need to be seen in a regal light. So anything that does that, I think Ruth Carter killed it with the costume. And I thought, and I loved how like up to date it was, right? That it's like, okay, in reality, like, yes, we are in different continents. I mean, we are in that continent in different countries, rocking Puma and killing it, right? And figuring out ways to be like fly. So I thought the fashion was everything. Um, 
what else? I love the son. I love that they gave a newcomer like such an opportunity. I think he did a great job. And I did think that some of it was just a bit corny. It was kind of just like, I mean, yeah, it just was like, okay. It was like the first coming to America, it was just so much organic. Like, this is funny, like point blank, like funny, funny. And I felt like, so there were so many moments in the film where the funny was forced, but then there were genuinely funny moments that were great. And all the cameos of the original cast, that was awesome. So yeah, I don't know. (sighs) I think we should have had high expectations because it was such an iconic film. And I think we just given it a pass because it's COVID and it's Eddie Murphy, but in real life, nah, B. Jaira, you you said you loved it. Like, let's hear your perspective. Well, like I said, I've seen the original one. I was looking at it from a different perspective. Um, I wasn't looking at it to be the most amazing film. I wasn't looking at it to be, you know, the best it can possibly be. I was just looking at it as um, just how they, you know, just seeing the characters, how they've aged and how um, everyone is older, has kids, and um, and just how everyone changed over the years. Um, I just liked how, you know, they kept the same characters. Like, it would have been different if the character, who, you know, if Eddie Murphy's character was someone else. Like, if it wasn't Eddie Murphy, what if it was someone else? Like, or, like, they didn't change anyone, you know? Everyone was the same, and um, they just actually, you know, included more people, like um, like Wesley Snipes and things like that, which made it um, a lot funnier during his different scenes that he had within the movie. But, I don't know, I feel like, honestly, to go with you, I feel like it could have been better, but I don't know, I just... Um, I just like the overall, what they were trying to do, I guess, but it could have been better in my perspective, to be honest. There we go. But... You know what's up. We get in the past because <laughs> it's Eddie Murphy and it's COVID and we happy just to get some black joy in our lives, yeah. but we know what's up. The whole movie was actually filmed at, well, most majority of the movie was filmed at Rick Ross's, at Rick Ross's house. Which he was great. Wasn't he great? I thought even though he has two seconds, like I was like, oh, he was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He did a good job. He did a good job. Yeah. Um, <laughs> y'all know me. <laughs> so I would say, man. Okay, first of all, I got to keep it a buck. Like, that choreography was I mean I don't want to say it was trash but okay so Fatima did, true. Basura. But, but, but Fatima did the choreography okay now Fatima for those who don't know is a, 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 a well-respected world-renowned legendary hip-hop choreographer if you've seen any music video from the 90s uh, Fatima what did that choreography okay um, but what I don't like is like, so in the first coming to America, even though they did take liberties, right, with the choreography, there was still um, a le- like a level of 
you know, tradition in it, if that makes sense. I feel like this choreography was literally just kind of like a bootleg hip hop video. They tried, they tried so hard to appeal to, I think, this generation, which why it's funny. Yeah. I think a lot of people I hear, younger people say they really liked it. And I think that in doing that, they really missed opportunities to just make it really good just because. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, like, okay, so the, the choreography, that was one. I feel like the choreography was kind of, you know, half-assed. I'm gonna give you a, keep it a buck. It was kind of half-assed choreography. Like, and I love Fatima, much respect, no disrespect, which is like, what did that comedian say? Whenever disrespect is coming, people say no disrespect. But I don't mean to be, you know, disrespect, but you know, the choreography was just horrible. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I do appreciate that they gave the young brother and the other younger comedians and newer comedians. I like seeing them in the film, but like Lunell, she didn't have no lines. And I was like, why is Lunell in this movie? And she's not talking. She's mad funny. Um, so it was like nothing for her character to do. They didn't write her actually like into it as an actual character. Like that kind of frustrated me just like seeing her and waiting to see what like who she was going to be in the film and then all she was doing was just sitting in every scene like that was frustrating to me I feel like the storyline was terrible like what I did not appreciate like and this is this maybe it's me maybe I'm super sensitive you know P group said oh you just sensitive what I did not like is the optics okay of this dark-skinned woman from the hood that's like the the like so-called like terrible baby mama that's so you know like just you know this person that it was kind of like the person they made fun of she was tall she was dark and you know what you would call like Africanoid features and she was supposed to be like unattractive you know and then it was the light-skinned woman you know with the long hair slim that was supposed to be like okay she's the dream girl like they still like for me that they still kept with that motif like it was trash in the 80s but it's definitely trash in 2021 like that hurt me a lot because I was like damn like so it's so it's hard right right so yeah. it's kind of just like okay Audra Day gets a golden globe for playing Billie Holiday who happens to be, you know, addicted to heroin, right? Um, so it's kind of just like you're torn because it's like, man, look at the opportunity, but then, okay, look at the role, right? And so it's the same thing for me. Like, I was happy to see Leslie Jones and maybe not a Tiffany Haddish, right, initially, because it's kind of like, man, she actually was funny, like, no holds bars. Like, she was really funny in her role, and she didn't, like, overdo it. It was just like, no, you're funny, this is I. This is funny, right? But I, I didn't even think about that. That's so true. I didn't even think about it from that perspective, Piper. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it was just like in the storyline, right? When they mentioned, like, when he was um, reminiscing about, I guess, when he was drugged and, you know, he thought back to, like, we had sex with, and it was like, the way they described her, it was horrible. Like the descriptions they were using like all the way through and she was the butt of the jokes. Like 
yeah, she's a comedian. I get it. But I don't like those optics that, you know, the way that they were together in that way. Um, and then, I mean, I appreciate that she got paid and she had the role and all that. I was also looking forward to a different type of storyline. Like, I didn't like that storyline. I mean, it could be true, you know, whatever, but I didn't like it. I mean, listen, if we're, if we're completely honest, mm-hmm. the same way the, choreo- the choreography was slapped together is the same way the film was slapped together. I think that they kind of got the ball rolling and they started on something that was good four years ago, right? Whenever they started. And then I think maybe, it, you know, you ever see a film and you can tell where they ran out of money at? Yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? It was just kind of one of those situations where I don't think it was a ran out of budget kind of thing, but I think it was a matter of, man, if we wait too much longer, the relevancy is going to run out. I don't know. We got to figure out how to just get this out. And yeah. that, that I feel like that is just well. what it was all about. Like they, I think they tried to think of innovative ways to give new and give old. And then it was like, at this point, it's like, man, let's just get some writers together. We just got to get it out. Yeah, that's how I felt they did it because that storyline to me was painful. It hurt. And I really kind of wish like, I mean, I get it, you know, shoot, all of us have like challenging relationships with our dad. Maybe not you, Jaira, but you know what I'm saying? Like everyone has that kind of daddy trauma thing going on, but I'm just saying like, you know, just the fact to like make it like that she it's like in the film they made it like that she was such a terrible person that he could have you know been with if that makes sense and that and like that was funny like i just wish that it was a different um that that the dark-skinned woman who didn't have to be the butt of the joke i just wish that yeah i just wish it like okay i get it like he was supposed to have a one-night stand but i didn't like I didn't like that that the way that they were like, oh, how she was ugly. She was, the, you know, like they made it like mm-hmm. she was the worst thing to ever be with. And that really mm-hmm. hurt me a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that part of that. Mm-hmm. That was really mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, and what was bringing that into 2021? Mm. Yeah, I mean, and I think especially, right? I mean, I've, I've definitely, it's sad that we're even still having this kind of conversation. But even when you think about the first movie, somebody brought something up and was like, man, it would have been so dope to see the few, like where her sister is now, right? Who was, it was again, that same kind of motif, right? The dark-skinned girl, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you always win, right? Like I never win, right? I never, you always get the prince, right? So even that. You know, um, yeah, they didn't yeah. bring those two characters back. Like, even nope. if they would have been different people, yeah, it's almost like her sister was like erased from the, the right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, she wasn't even in the mix. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Wait. 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 What's her dad in it? Her dad? Yeah. Her dad. Yeah, was her dad dude. Okay. Remember, her dad was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, I mean, yeah, like that, that kind of, you know, that type of thing, you know, like they, and just the fact like what they, the, the, the ways in which that they were bringing the ideas, I didn't think it was clever. I didn't think the humor was clever. I thought they brought a lot of really hurtful, negative, painful stereotypes. And we're continuing to make that funny. That's the center of jokes. 
And it's, it's, and those are things that, that are linked to identity and all this kind of stuff. And I don't, for me personally, it wasn't funny. I'm going to keep it a buck because I don't like bringing that stuff into 2021. There's so much stuff that they could make humor out of, right? Like, like, I love the part about how they brought back the, um, you know, what was that movie trading places, you know, and remember the painting with the Dukes with the, uh, when he went to go get the job. That was cool. Yeah. That was great. That's yeah. funny. And then when he told him off, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was funny. Like that was yeah. good. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the whole thing, like with, oh, I feel like what's the name's role. I loved him. Uh, Tracy Morgan was great. Mm-hmm. No, he's always great. Shouts out to Brooke. But that's but that's what I mean. Like I feel like they were so, like I said, it feels like they didn't, they couldn't figure out what to do with the first twenty minutes and how to get the car started. And then once the car got started, they could have done without some of the corny, funny moments because the heart of the film, like the whole the whole idea of like the ideas of like being your own man, right, and how. Um, I did like the son's um, love interest. I thought that that she was, I thought that the way that that was and that that's how, that's how queens really are, right? It's like, you're able to speak life into who your partner is. You're able to kind of like have room to give them, to give them counsel or to guide them. Um, and she basically was kind of responsible for him deciding to like be his own self. Um, so I, I thought that that was really cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I wish that they would have spent less time like shitting on Leslie and <laughs> like a bit more time developing a, a bit more of the characters in that type of way. Even when they went to back to Queens, you know, I mean, I just feel like the like all the writing, that's what it is. And I'm going to keep it a buck. I feel like Eddie Murphy had his hand in the writing. I saw he was a producer, but all of that feels like Eddie Murphy was doing the writing. And Eddie Murphy is not a good writer. He can deliver the jokes, but he he can't write good jokes. He's not a good joke writer. I mean, it's very clear that whoever wrote the first coming to America definitely was not involved in in this new iteration. Because it just it lacked so much of, like I said, I mean, it just lacked so much classic. It just lacked, it just, it, it was, it was very, it was so many moments that were just like, really guys? I mean, and even the fact that they had, um, that they had the, that they, it, it felt like a white person wrote it. I know that sounds bad. No, I that's mean, not it. It feels like a white person wrote it. Yeah. But. The reason that I feel like Eddie Murphy did the writing mm-hmm. is because it does feel like a white person wrote it. So it feels like a black person that is so disconnected that like mm-hmm. he said all those tired jokes were funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, now I mean now that you're talking about that, I mean after like Norbit is definitely another movie that's like a horrible black woman, uh like you know, like it's a horrible way to look at a black woman. Um, his movies are corny though. Even like Nutty Professor is corny. Like I think he's just a corny writer, or I think his concepts are funny. Like they're so corny that it's funny. So 
I definitely can see why y'all say what y'all saying about this one, the second one. Yeah. But I'm just I'm glad all those black people got paid. I'm glad everybody looked good. <laughs> the stylist, the whoever did the hair, Ruth, and, and Ruth, the listen, and the clothes. They, Ruth, and, and Ruth, they Ruth Carter. Ruth okay. Carter did her thing. I don't know who the hairstylist was. The hairstylist kind of like loses points uh-huh. for when she put like just earrings as hoops in and one of the scenes with with it was just it was like why y'all did that like why y'all got these dollar store hoops in this girl's hair like i know the whole rings and hair thing is cute but this is too upscale for you to be using earrings as hoops like i can see that this is an earring y'all need to do better but everything else they was fire yeah so that was cool um yeah and you know uh i'm just happy that you know people are doing good uh in Hollywood that they can you know waste money like that <laughs> nah nah but yeah well I'm glad you liked it Jaira shouts out to Gen Z so um I don't know so did y'all want to do um one more one more film or we should keep it moving um it's up to you guys um I'm trying I feel to keep like we can keep one. it moving I feel like okay, cool. yeah. So um I'll just let y'all know really briefly. Um, well, I don't even have to let y'all know because I know y'all are up on stuff like this, but yesterday or early this morning, uh, we entered into this new moon. Y'all know next uh Saturday or this coming Saturday is the first day of spring, right? So we know that new moons you know, typically kind of let us understand like these new beginnings. And even uh, what's interesting, you know, we have, uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a, an interesting phenomenon, right? Like in December, we celebrate, you know, the so-called birth of Jesus Christ, right? And we have, you know, this, period of time which is in in winter which is like the equinox when you can see uh these three stars and that is akin to the the three wise men and there's a whole uh you know cosmology mixed with you know spiritual science around that but what is known is that Jesus Christ was actually born in the spring and they say that he was born uh approximately right around uh this time period and so um it's a it's a very powerful energetic time because you know also today was uh or is daylight savings and so you know we've sort of shifted so that we can catch up and all this kind of thing um but in general when we're looking at um at new moons, like I said, we're talking about fresh energy and new energy. And this new moon is in the season of Pisces. And Pisces is known to be this very creative sign. You know, Erica Badu is Pisces. So when you, she's a typical Pisces, so everything you think about her, like think of, you know, the sign Pisces. But, um, you know, regardless of the sign that the new moons fall in, um, they offer us a chance to be reflective and pretty much clarify 
our big picture visions and, you know, just help us uh, center ourselves and, and heighten our self-awareness um, as well as our faith in ourselves. And so this month's new moon, it, you know, we want to dig deeper spiritually, right? Um, all of our, all of our romantic selves will be heightened, um, our artistic selves, our creativity. So, um, I could say more, but I think that, you know, no matter what right now, uh, use this, this new moon in Pisces energy, you know, uh, uh, let's, you know, I think it's giving us this permission to let go of a lot of our rational thoughts and be able to, you know, choose our own adventures, right? And, you know, uh, for many of us, right, we want to kind of not be so fixed um, on our rationality per se, and just be open, you know, and be and be adventurous and um, open ourselves up. And so, you know, trust our intuition, right? Um, look at our dreams and um and and trust our emotions you know and allow ourselves to be led in that way a little bit and so um just want to leave y'all with that uh does that i don't know if that resonates with anyone or how y'all feel about definitely that's good yeah it feels good okay cool 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 so with that um let's dig into you mahogany jones let's hear what's going on with you tell us about what is the most, what is the newest thing that you got going on right now for the people? Um, so I would say the newest thing that's out is my EP floating um, and the newness that is on the way. Um, we are um, working alongside yet again with my husband and his um, label, the thirties, and we're working on newness now. So um, that was an EP. So the goal is to go for an album. Um, which, you know, I'm really looking forward uh, and I have been just kind of like writing and working on. So it's, it's felt good. Um, and so now we're just kind of in the throes of just getting the production right and putting some stuff together. So, so yeah, that, that's, that's what we got cooking up on these parts. So yeah, tell us about um, floating a little bit. Um, floating is really, um, I'm really proud of this EP. Um, initially it was going to be called Indigo. Um, and indigo is kind of like a bluish purplish color and it's kind of the color outside. It's like super dark, um, before dawn hits. Um, and I just feel like it was really representative of just kind of the space I was just in my life, um, just personally and as an artist. So I really dealt with just a lot of, um, you know, it was just a lot of highs and just feeling, I think the way that I kind of describe it is I feel like I started this journey in my career at the shore of the ocean and just was like, okay, I'm going to get across to the other side. And I feel like by the time I had gotten to 2018 in my career, I just kind of felt like I was in the middle of the ocean and it's like, man, I've made it so far, but I just feel like I have so much, I have so much farther to go and I'm not really sure how to get to the other side um and you know just a lot of questions you know with music changing and different things being popular and um me being a woman and just kind of like being a woman in hip-hop 
um, just so many things in the air, you know, just like, man, you know, is my sound still relevant? Do I still have things to say as an artist? Um, just so many questions. And I feel like floating as an EP is kind of like the audio representation of just like that period. Um, and it's good though, because I feel like I really kind of, once I push past all the questions, I really, this EP is me giving myself permission to express myself without the limitations of other people's expectations. It's kind of just like, yo, like I want to unapologetically be black. I want to unapologetically tell my truth about how it's hard to rise above people just not wanting to see you win just because um, I want to talk about just, okay, regrets, right? And just like, okay, man, maybe I missed it. You know, maybe I did dealing my lower self. Maybe I was struggling with ego in some things. Like maybe I do have some things to just kind of apologize for. Um, and still just kind of, you know, get a little brag on, get a little braggadocio on, let people know like, okay, I'm still out here chefing it up. I'm still out here serving these bars. <laughs> um, so I feel like it's a really, even though it's six songs or really seven, it's a really well-rounded project and definitely like one of my best. And then talk about the production. Um, the production is really, to me, the production is really cool. Um, again, this project is really cool too, because, um, I got to work with my husband on it. Right. And so getting to do that and getting to do that while I was pregnant and getting to do that in the midst of the onsetting of a pandemic <laughs> and just realizing like, yo, in the short span of us being together, I had released more music than I had since I dropped my last album, which was Sugar Water. So that was like 2016. So like between 2019 and 2020, we wound up together, like putting out like two singles, no, three singles. We released three singles. You helped us, you know, release the music video for Elle and the actual EP itself. Um, and so, yeah, just, it's, it, that was just super dope to me. Um, but watching him like rise as a producer was really dope to me. So I think the production is like, you know, definitely part Neo Soul, which is something like I just can't let go of as an artist because I love it. Um, but it's got a bop to it. Like that's, that's what they say. <laughs> Look at me sound like an old person, which I am, <laughs> but it definitely has bop and it's, it's really cool. And so can you talk about working with your husband, like musically? Um, you know, honestly, one of the things I really admire about him is his, his artistry. Like we met and he was solely an MC, but he was just always super wise. Um, and so honestly, it was really intimidating. And I think sometimes still can be, um, and it's difficult because I'm one of those people just, I've had my hands in the cookie jar in every aspect of my career. And so to kind of be in a space where, I don't have to do that and I don't have to be so hands-on and be so involved um, and to kind of give over the reins was very hard for me. And Dre is kind of like, look, just trust me, do what I say and just trust me. And it's kind of just like, well, I have an opinion about that. And he's like, no, I'm not interested in your opinion. Trust me, like you like the results, like just roll with it. Um, so I'm, I'm growing into this process of his. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, there's times where it's amazing because it's like, oh my God, I get to work with my husband. And then there's times where it's, it's you know, no hold bars. Like it's hard because it's like, I'm working with my husband. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's cool. And so 
Now with this project, you have, you know, kind of like the range of subject matter. Can you take us through it? Um, so I think in my explanation, I kind I think I kind of touched on it, you know. So um I guess the album opens up maybe I want to say I think we'll wait a minute you know so that's just me just being like being honest like look it's been a minute I apologize for leaving y'all for so long but I'm still out here and we're still we're not here for the games so you know it's just a fun track you know what I'm saying I guess people would say it's like more up to date a lot of people like that or like say it's one of their favorites um black girl magic is just a song celebrating just the beauty of just black women and just how we're out here um melanin i would say is just kind of like an unapologetically like black theme song um and it's not i don't think it's something that's just for women i think my husband kind of gave production to it that really feminized it um but i think the message in it overall is just like yo as melanated people we are to celebrate ourselves and we're powerful and don't sleep on us. Um, floating, just um, really just kind of like dealt with just, I, I experienced like a lot of betrayal and I really actually went through a very like traumatic experience that I'm still kind of like trying to work through and suffer. I'm trying to work through um, in regards to just anxiety and who to trust and who not to trust. Um, and so that's the song that kind of deals with that. Um, regrets was a song just being honest and just saying like okay I can see my blind spots and I see areas where I was wrong and I was at fault and yo like I wish we could just live with no regrets but I definitely have regrets for things that I've done and I just kind of want to move forward in a way um, that will create like positive change um, and so, and then of course, uh, the song dedicated to my daughter. So this, my daughter is my first child. Um, I just turned 42 this past August. Um, so I was pregnant with Elle when I was 41, um, had her when I was 41. Um, so yeah, so it's definitely a song of me just saying like, I'm not sure what to expect, but I'm just excited for you to come. And that song is so beautiful to me because my husband did a verse on it. And then we had like one of his good friends who happens to be one of my favorite um, singer songwriters, Leon Timbo, and he did the chorus for her and for us. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much the scope of the album. I, I love that song so much. That song is so beautiful. It warms my heart like every time I hear it. I love that song so much. I hope she loves it. I can't wait to see if she likes it. I hope she likes it. It's not like, okay, whatever, mom. Here you go doing your rap thing. Thanks for the song. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what she thinks about it. <laughs> now you're also um, you know, an educator, you know. Yes. And and you do that, like, that's pretty much, would you say that's 50% of what you do or, you know? I would, I would say so. Um, and I didn't necessarily, I mean, I think I've always, I think it, I would say it's 50%. And I, th I would say it's 50% because I think, I, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was just saying like, you know, what makes, what makes you do what you do? Always remember your why right? Because it can be difficult. It can be discouraging. It can be daunting, but remember your why. And I think the same why that I create music is the same why that I want, that I'm an artist educator um, is because like, I'm just grateful that somebody empowered me with the voice, 
you know, um, and with gave me the tools and encouraged me and told me like, man, you're a good writer. Um, and I just feel like teachers have had such a great role in my life. Mentors have had such a great impact on my life. Um, you know, when I think about just our relationship, um, you know, and the years that we got to work together, working on the foundation, um, and then, you know, the few things that we've gotten to work together to do, we found hip hop, or when I think about Tony Blackman and just other women, um, who have been in my life and have been willing to kind of like pour into me. Um, that just matters. It's important. I think that idea of mentorship and educating is really key to empower people. Um, and so it's my passion. Can you talk about like what you've done in terms of education? Like, you know, maybe some of the organizations you've worked with and, you know, where, edu- where, where working in education has taken you? Um, so I, I have worked, I forgot the name of the organization. It was like a PAL that was, uh, or a version of PAL that was in Detroit. Um, and so I come in from Tony Blackman's Freestyle Union and just that whole school of thought, right? Of just like freestyle and ciphers. When I first moved to Detroit, um, just on some like, yo, I just want the work to continue. Like I just did like this small thing on my own. Um, and then somebody heard about it and asked me to do something at Talman Rec Center, which was on the east side. And so I started like developing classes that were kind of more less focused on um, freestyling, but more focused on the mechanics of MCing. Um, and then did those and then heard about what you were doing with the foundation at 5E. Um, and then we kind of had like a small kind of like artist development thing happening. <laughs> and that was really cool. Um, and then in doing that work, um, got invited to do a workshop with Inside Out. And I didn't even know what Inside Out was at the time. And it was, um, and I think I did a hip hop workshop. I did an MC workshop and they were like, man, this is great. And I was like, man, it's the best experience ever. Um, and I want to say maybe that was like eight years ago. Um, and then I asked if I could do more. And they said, well, we focus on poetry. And so, you know, started doing workshops with them. Um, before that, I want to say maybe 15 years ago, I had started working with the union, um, which is another nonprofit in Detroit, um, but focuses more on um, life skills. Um, and so facilitated that, helped develop some curriculum for them, and then eventually helped develop a program that actually turned into a performing arts camp, which is called Keys to Life. Um, and then eventually just uh, had an opportunity uh, to audition for an ambassadorship program um, with the State Department um, through American Music Abroad. And that gave me the opportunity to kind of like take my experience global. And so I've been able to not just only like, you know, perform and share my art, but also to artists educate um, and be a cultural ambassador for about 18 countries so far, now 19. Um, so it's, it's been a really full, full journey. And I'm still currently working with Inside Out, still currently working with the union, but virtually. Um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's been dope. And what, what's the status of the, the uh, you know, the Arts Abroad program? Is that on pause or so it was real I mean yeah that's a, that's a whole long story <laughs> um but honestly it's been I guess a blessing because 
the those doors have opened back up. So I want to say um, I was doing a lot of work with both American Music Abroad and Next Level. Um, and then wonky things happened with Next Level. Um, and then things were kind of like paused. Um, and then recently I just did some programming with American Music Abroad and with Arts Envoy. Um, so I did a program recently from Nepal and it was just like a conversation, which was cool. And then I recently just did a virtual concert um, for the U.S. Embassy in Tanzania this past Friday. Um, and that was really cool. Um, and then I, I did like a woman's month, um, I guess, interview conversation. And that was like in February. So um, I guess as we are trying to get to a place of our new normalcy and we're trying to figure out how the world opens back up, that that work will open up again and not just virtually. Mm-hmm. And then take us a little bit further back to making some of these classic uh, records and, and projects that, um, that you know, that we all know and love, love you for. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think like, you know, so it's, 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 it's great to work with my husband now and, and create new music. And even with this project, um, my longtime collaborator, Ron Lee, um was was a part of it but um so much of just being a Detroiter is what I think inspired a lot of the music that um I created for most of like my recording career um and yeah I just um my first album was called Morphed and it was just kind of like I guess a journey of what my spiritual walk was um Allie, what are you saying, mommy? Yeah? Okay. Um, and then, yeah, then I had a project that was more, I guess, um, I want to say, I guess, and like an activist project called uh, Pure, and that was pretty fresh. And then Sugar Water, um, which was like my ode to soul. Um, and I don't know, it's kind of like people ask if you have a favorite. And I don't know, maybe as you get older, you get better. But I want to say that as far as a body of work goes, like Sugar Water was definitely my favorite album. And I think for two reasons, I think spiritually, like I understood that even though I was like a lot of my music was based um, in my faith and being a Christian. Um, but I think God kind of just like, and I thought like, okay, well, in order to express my Christianity, my faith, like I have to do gospel hip hop. And I think God was like, well, why don't you just try to live the gospel? And why don't you just make good hip hop music? Like, don't do me any favors, like just live your life and do well and make great music. It's like, oh, oh, I can do that. That's a thing. I should, I can, I can focus on really trying to live out these principles, um, and just make dope music. Okay. Bit. Um, and I think that Sugar Water is a reflection of that. So out of that, some of my favorite songs, Goals and Bring Back the Soul. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think the same thing for this current project too. And so can you talk about your, the um, collaboration-ship with um, Ironic Lee? <sighs> Man, brother from another mother. Um, so I think our story is just so funny and it's so cool because I met him because of his at the time fiance. It was a it was a woman's event, um, and I, I think it was called Virtual Sisters Explosion or whatever. Um, and my friend had invited me to come and perform, 
And I was, you know, I'm, I'm a New Yorker initially. So he saw me, he's like, what is she wearing? I think I had on these like, I, and it was, yeah, I had money. I was balling. Like I had these like amazing, like DKNY, like cow pants and like this ripped off shirt and like this cuff and my hair was short. He's like, oh, she is doing the most. And she thinks she's dope. She's probably trash. <laughs> and he heard me spit and was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. I heard his fiance at the time spit, who is now his wife, uh, I think maybe 15 years in. And she was dope, but she was dope, but her production was dope. And I was like, I went up to her afterwards. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, yo, because I was telling my producer at the time who was in New York before I had even thought about a Detroit um, how I, I had this desire. I'm like, man, I want to make music like if India RE was like a hip hop artist, right? Like if Jill Scott did hip hop, like that's what I want my music to sound like. I wanted to have soul. I want to do like hip hop soul. And my producer at the time was like, that sounds dumb. Like ain't nobody doing that. That's not even what we on right now. That's not even the sound. Um, this is like maybe 2002. So I was like, well, I think it could be done. I think it's a thing. Um, and so I heard her rap. And I thought she was incredible. And I was like, yo, who does your production? She's like, oh, my fiance. We meet up, we speak, we talk, we exchange numbers. You know how you say, you're like, I'm gonna get up with you. But it never happens. But we got up. It was like maybe days later, we talked. And at the time I worked for a school system, always working with some kids, working in school. And I had a winter break coming up. And I, you know, you get about a week or two weeks off. And I was like, yo, look, let's do this my winter break is coming up. He's like, yo, you can come and you can stay with me. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So the first time I had come up, I had, I think I heard about Monica Blair. So that was crazy. <laughs> um, and we went hard. I think we made about four songs in the trip. And then I was like, well, let me come up spring break. He's like, bet you can come stay at my father's house. You can stay again. I said, okay, cool. Um, same thing. We made another four songs. It was amazing. Um, actually met his best friend. Um, and we actually wound up having a thing, which was cool. Actually getting engaged. Um, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, and then I said, well, look, you know, we making this music or let's do an album. And he's like, okay, bet. He's like, yo, you should come up for the summer. I was like, you let me stay with you for the summer? He's like, yeah, let's get this working, rent free. Like, let's just go for it. And I was like, okay, well, I, you know, I, and I was living in, the, in Brooklyn at the time. And I said, well, guess what, friends? Let's have a going away party. And my friends in Brooklyn threw me a nice little going away party. I said, well, and it's the longest I had been away. Um, you know, I had traveled, I had been overseas, but I had never been away from home for more than like two weeks at a time. Um, came to Detroit and said, well, I'm going to come here. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to finish the album and let's see what happens. And that's exactly what happened. I had lost 20 pounds. I've done about 10 songs towards the album and came home with a serious boyfriend, who, like I said, turned into my fiance and knew like I could live here. I was like, man, I love Detroit. Like this is, this is my home. And um, yeah, a few years later, that's what happened. Wow. So take us to um, what the work you were doing. Well, let's, well, we'll go backwards. So let's talk about um, the foundation. Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Teach us about that. Tell, let's tell us. Uh, we always talk about it and have heard about it. But um, yeah, I don't know if Jairus necessarily heard about it per se. So the foundation, let's—I'm such a magical part of my life um, for so many reasons. So, like I said, I'm initially a New Yorker, um, 
And I think a lot of my philosophy and practice and just mm-hmm. belief in like what artist, child artistry and activism are supposed to kind of go hand in hand um, come from just the culture that we were in. Um, I started my artistry in the late 90s, um, which I would say, you know, I guess kind of golden era hip hop, but definitely like golden era of like hip hop and poetry in (laughs) New York, right? It's like everybody, it's just like, you could go to Brooklyn Moon and see Erica Erica Padu do a set and then go to New York Recompose Cafe and hear most Def kill it and Talib Kweli kill it, right? So before they were like household names, right? I remember, what was the thing that um, that the Roots and Jill Scott and all of them was doing when they, when they brought it to, when they brought it to the city? You talking about Black Lily? Black Lily, exactly. Black Lily was popping. I remember I had met Common a few times. Um, yeah, it was just, it was such an amazing time. You know, Saul Williams before Slam. Um, who's the actor? That's a, Wood Harris. Wood Harris, who's an amazing actor at the time. Was, oh, oh, what's the matter? Was primarily doing spoken word. Um, yeah, it was just Mums, Mums the Schemer, who was on Oz. Um, so just so many people, Jessica Cameron, thick in the scene. Um, and all of us, you know, we knew we had a responsibility, you know, so it's like, okay, you can't just, you can't just make music. Like you have to, you know, it's like, okay, I remember going to different protests with a lot of the same artists that I did spoken word with. Right. Um, I remember us having like much needed conversations, um, and just being about the work. So when I moved to Detroit, I was kind of like in a quandary because I feel like a lot of that wasn't really available. I'm sorry, give me one second. Ellie, what's the matter? What the problem? It's it's getting late. Ellie's like, I want to go to sleep. You want to go to sleep? (laughs) You going to go to sleep? Yeah, Ellie wants to get some rest. Mommy going to let you down, okay? Okay. She's usually sleep by now. I'm I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. She's probably sleepy. She's sleepy, but as soon as like she's not gonna lay down. And if I leave her, she's definitely gonna start wilding out. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let me just sit here and see what happens. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I was just in a quandary because I was in Detroit, and I of course you know was still doing music, and you know the union we were still doing like different work in the community, but it was like. I guess on a, only for Christians, you know what I mean? That I was getting to work with the union. And I was like, man, where, where the activists at? Like, where, where, where my tree huggers at? <laughs> like, where are my hip hop artists who like doing dope music, but about service? Um, and yeah. And then, um, and at the time, oh my God, how can I forget? I had also met um, Ill, who at the time, you know, Alana or Invincible, but I met her in New York. And along with the anomalies. So when I came to Detroit, I was surprised to find her here. I actually found out she was here before I found out Jessica had come back. So I think Jessica at the time was like in Atlanta. Um, and so we had kind of kept in touch and, and we would kick it here and there. But then I remember getting a text from her 
And she's like, yo, there's this, there's this open mic event and it's just for women. And for me, this was like, I guess the beginning of my transition from like only like performing at churches and just really wanted to find like a community of artists to like kick in and build with and being kind of like scared. I was definitely chicken. I was like, man, it's open mic for women. I'm nervous. I want to go though. I can't wait. Like, this is what I need. This is what I've wanted. And I remember meeting you and, you know, just, you were so humble, especially because I had heard about like all that you had done. I'd heard that you were this amazing, you know, fashion photographer and that you too were coming from New York. And I just remember meeting you and meeting Sakari and just meeting like, yeah, I remember meeting Cindy and just coming to the first spot. This was before the building. I forgot what was that space that, that, that y'all was in. It was on the same block as the building, but it yeah. was different. It was on Wabash. It's a bike shop now. Wow. I just, yeah, I just, I remember coming that first night and seeing the band and the DJ and I think B-Girls were there. It was just, it was just euphoric. It was just like, man, this is heaven. And, you know, and I remember Cindy having Treasure there, right? So Treasure must have been like three. Treasure's, how old is Treasure now? Shoot, Treasure's in high school. She's in high school, right? Crazy. But I, it was just beautiful. I'm like, man, look at this space. And I don't even think, I th yeah, I mean, I think I had been in spaces in New York that was similar, but never anything like it. Like to see all the elements together functioning, to see women in primary roles functioning, um, and it to be part open mic, part community space, cool enough for like a three-year-old to be at, right? And it'd be late, you know, it'd be like, 10 o'clock, right? But it's like, okay, this woman feels safe. She's here with her kid. It's, it's nothing crazy going on. It's all good vibes. We're all kicking it. We're all just practicing what we love and just being who we, who we are. And everybody has room to be who they are. And I just was like, man, this is dope. And I remember hearing you just kind of share about the vision. Um, I think, I think Corona was on board. Um, I don't know who was hosting it at the time. Um, we didn't, and then we, we didn't have a, remember we didn't have like a regular. You didn't, you didn't have a regular host. So, so we I, moved. Was, I was doing the hosting. Yes. Yes. When we, that's right. Oh my God, that's right. Oh my God, that's right. So I remember we moved into the new space and it was cool. And then we were, we were, we were having trouble. Like it was kind of just like, they didn't, I guess they just didn't want to see black people in that space. They didn't want to see black people winning. Um, and we just kept getting harassed for different, like ridiculous made up violations, whatever. Um, and then we had to transition. And when we transitioned from the space, I, we went to old Miami and it was kind of just, it was a slow burn. Right. It was kind of just like, okay, we got our few faithfuls, you know, soup, um, B side. Um, who else? Give me um, who else was some of the old faithful? DJ Lowe's. DJ Lowe's. Oh my gosh, right. that's right, DJ Lowe's. But know, all men, right? Conflict, <laughs> all the <dread> like our, <laughs> Right. Our few women faithfuls, it was me, it was knickknack, it was it was me, it was knickknack, it was Cindy. It was um, Aisha, huh? B girl mama, B girl, B girl mama, definitely staple. Um, who else? I want to say a few others. We had a few other like women practitioners who were like faithful. Um, oh, how can I forget? Um, DJ, um, ugh, 
Don't Mel do me Wonder, like this. Lahedi. Mel, Mel, that's right. Mel Wonder. Um, DJ Lahedi. DJ Lahedi, yep. Um, and yeah, like we would just come in. Sarah Lee. <laughs> Sarah Lee. Oh my God, Sarah Lee was so good. She was so, yo, Sarah Lee was like our rage. Yeah. <laughs> she was like Lady Rage. She was like uh, Lady Rage. Was, um, I mean, it was so many women. Uh, Venus and Native Child. And I mean, it was just like so many women that I could just go on and on and on. Yellow Cake. Uh, yep. Yellow Cake. Amazing vocalist. She's still doing her thing too. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Kai Pie. Kai Pie. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so wait, let's go back. Let's let's go back because I think you, you're kind of forwarding that conversation only because the Kai Pie really got to come into being Kai Pie because of the foundation, right? Your jades got to come into being a jade because of the foundation. Um, I mean, I will say, you know, I definitely got to, I think, I think I was, I always felt good about my skills as an MC, but I think as an artist and having a certain level of, oh, notoriety and, oh, you rock for Detroit, I don't think that that would have happened without me, without you giving, can I say, you gave, you attempted to empower us, I think, in the best way, in the most ideal way that you should empower people, right? Is that it's kind of like, okay, let me give you, let me, let me give you an opportunity to take ownership. Like, let me give you an opportunity to buy stock and be invested in this movement. Cause it's really for you, right? It's kind of like, you didn't rap. I mean, even though you do, you actually do all the elements and pre- you're pretty decent at each of them. Um, but it wasn't like, okay, I'm doing this because I need a platform, right? It was because, you know, we, you know, we had similar hearts, you know, we came from spaces where it wasn't odd for women to be practitioners and to love the genre. Right. In fact, in New York, there were many women who were thriving. You know, we come from the what what's and the anomalies and the Apani bleef bee flies and you know, it's like solstices and just as like, oh, it's nothing for you know your Rockefellers. It's nothing for it to be a B girl. It's nothing for it be it to be a woman MC. It's nothing for it to be a woman writer, a woman graffiti artist. It's nothing for it to be women DJs, right? But in Detroit, I don't think that that was really a conversation. And I just feel like your ideal to create kind of like this utopia and this safe space for women to be able to come. And I, I think too, I'm, I'm happy that you invited us to be a part of the conversation because I think initially the conversation was that like men didn't feel as if they were invited. And I think that it's kind of like, okay, if we're gonna make anything that is women centered, it's reality of being sustained, sustained without the support and the engagement of men isn't really something that's going to happen. I think it's the same way if we're having like reconciliation conversations around race and it's like all a bunch of black people in the room, right? And it's like, if white people are not a part of that conversation to kind of, if the, I won't say that, if people in power are not a part of the conversation to make sure that people who don't, people who are marginalized 
do not have room and space or do have room and space, then it's almost null and void. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you I want to shift culture. Everyone's got to pull Everybody got to, everybody's got to be all hands on deck. Yeah. And I think that that's one thing that I really appreciated that we got to be a part of the conversation that it wasn't just the, okay, it's going to be all women and no men are not invited. And I think for a while that that is what they tried to say it was. It was like, oh, well, you know, men are not invited. It's like, no, 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 no. The brothers are invited. Now, do we, do, should the brothers have, you know, be able to co-op that situation? Nah. Should it be that, you know, it's, it's so brother heavy focused that women don't feel comfortable? Nah. But I found that it just took so long for us to create a space where women felt comfortable that a lot of times it's like, okay, we have this great space, but like 60% of who would rock or do something would be men. <laughs> yeah. Because women would just be minute. so held back. Huh? And you know what's my, I have a couple of favorite things. One, do you remember before we used to make a joke and say that it was like church because a lot of times new artists right new young women and they might have like never rocked the mic before in public right they might have been like camera and then we go okay go and they'd be like no 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 and then you know like I would push them or something and then they would do it and then as soon as they would finish run out of the gallery and go outside and throw up I remember like five or six people did that. And then oh I, I remember like, Piper, don't push people. Don't make nice people. But she says she wants to do it. No, we got to. Space for her. Yeah. And, you know, everybody was loving her. And then I remember we would ask, like, what? Why? Like, why are you crying? Like, why are you going up and crying? And they would always say the same thing. Like, I've been doing blah 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 right like i've been writing or i've been rhyming but i've never done it in front of people mm. and it was my first time they loved it mm. and wow. it's like but what's but why are you crying like why yeah. are you throwing up and crying because they were like <laughs> i gave it my all yeah out there and i never did it before. And it made them feel too vulnerable and they felt too exposed yeah, yeah. And that would be like a thing. And it would look like we would say they got the Holy Ghost or something. We mm-hmm. a joke. But, um, I think that you were really instrumental in nurturing, developing, cultivating, teaching, inspiring. And, um, and I appreciate your lyrical, you know, agility and skill. And I appreciate how people would come and, you know, try to get on the mic and then you would eat them up, but you would eat them up loving right <laughs> with love we are but you know what and I think too like I just love the space for that too I mean I feel like I I feel like I've fallen off with my freestyle because we didn't have I didn't get to have weekly opportunities we kind of starting it back up um Tony Blackman's doing this thing called uh, the lyrical cypher yeah lyrical meditation cypher um but yeah like that was everything that was the dojo right so it's like New York City had like ended a week and it's like, man, we had our own dojo and it was the foundation. And I think it was such a magical time because I think everybody knew it. Like everybody knew like silently, right? It's like, I just can remember like times where at old Miami, we, you know, we had gotten up to like maybe what, 
how many guests do you think we had sometimes like back to back like we just had crazy yeah. weeks but it was like it was crazy it would just be like yeah it would just be back to back to back to back to back and what the funny part too was uh, we would say okay it's misogyny and then guys would come and then they'd be all vexed it's women because they want to do yeah. misogyny and we'd be like no you can't do it here yeah I remember yeah. how the women used to be like hey but I should be able to do misogyny because I'm gay and we'd be yeah no, it's no misogyny, yo. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's you not yeah. scared about that? But and, and it's so it's so crazy. Like, I just remember the fight for that. Like, I don't understand why that was such a big fight. It was like just like man, you could even do a song about like robbing and killing, which we don't advocate, right? But if that's what you about, that's your content. Okay, cool. You just can't disrespect women. So just don't rob and kill somebody's mama, right? <laughs> right like Like, everyone would come and then they'd be so stumped like wait a minute what can i rap about about? (laughs) but let's go back because you mentioned so let's go back to um so to to rhyme like a girl you've done with tony yeah um uh uh-oh sorry ella's ella's uh having having a moment like this is a riveting conversation. <laughs> Elle is like, Bobby. But I don't know. Um, hey Brittany, are you there? You there, Brittany? I think Brittany fell asleep. I was gonna ask Brittany a question about her rhyming and beat making. Um, and the Brittany's that- rhyming and beat making. Yeah, she's been rhyming and, and making beats and stuff. And, and Deja's not with us, but Deja's also been making beats. And Jaira also makes beats. Wow, that's pretty yeah. fresh. Yeah, yeah, this is the top crew. But yeah, I wanted to, you know, because I know that a lot of your foundation is, you know, I'm like a girl and the work that you've been doing, you know, or you had done. And and now we're currently doing with Tony. I know that, you know, a lot of what, you know, who you are is kind of, I don't want to say modeled after that, but I'll say influenced by. And so um, I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit, like, you know, your experience. And just because Tony is just an icon, so (laughs) amazing. And Mm -hmm. Ryan Girl, it has just, you know, really helped to, you know, nurture so many women MCs and mm-hmm. so much greatness mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for hip hop. You know, for global hip hop, for women in hip hop, um, and just really, really, you know, excited. I went to Howard with Tony. We were in the uh, final. What? Shut up. Together. Yeah, that's how I know Tony's from Howard. What? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah no. Um. That's crazy. Yeah. No. I mean. <sighs> I definitely, you know what I'm saying? Like, tone my, I feel like a lot of my life and a lot of my life's work um, it is modeled after, after Tony. I mean, and, and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, come, come to the workshop, right? It was, you know, we would stay, I, I could, I would stay at Tony's house. You know, Tony would, you know, Tony literally really took, 
and takes the role of mentorship very seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been to, I've met Tony's family, you know what I'm saying? Like I've been to Cali with Tony, (laughs) you know, I think the idea and the concept of like spirituality and artistry, um, I really got from Tony. I first met Tony. It's yeah. Just the whole way that I even met Tony is, is interesting to me because I remember I was on the fence with where I was in my walk with God and I was just exploring and I did this thing called Landmark Forum. And I think I was still teetering with just only doing spoken word, but I really wanted to rap, like really, really wanted to rap. Did Landmark Forum and just kind of came to like all these truths about myself. And one, of course, being that I really wanted to MC. She was doing Landmark Forum the same week. And I think she was finishing up hers and then mentioned Freestyle Union to me. I was like, yeah, you can come and audition. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll audition. Um, and I remember being nervous and trying to get all my stuff together. And I was kind of a half MC. Um, but yeah, Tony's work is so instrumental. And like you said, and not just in the lives of women. You know, it's a lot, you know, I mean, I definitely have been a part of iterations of Rhyme Like a Girl, I think. But more so, I think my roots just kind of speak to Freestyle yeah. Union and the work that she did around that. And just, and inviting me to be a part of Rhyme Like a Girl, you know? Oh, yeah. Ellie's not yeah, going mean, Even now, you know, with the ciphers that Tony's doing is really just picking that kind of work back up around supporting, you know, women MCs in, in the journey of being comfortable in one's own body, um, which is really important, you know, uh, being able to, being able to, you know, e- express oneself to the point where, you know, you get a chance to really, you know, say what you want to say and be who you want to be and, I think that, you know, nowadays, I mean, just in the terms of like the MC, the whole MC, the idea of the MC, I should say, is really, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just so much pressure to like be a thing, if that makes sense, like to be, like to rhyme a certain way, to have a certain Oh, I totally get that. I mean, like I said, I think that I'm definitely grateful for the work of the lyrical meditation cipher that's happening now, you know, and I literally try to, I don't think I've missed a week. I, you know, it may be, it's maybe a lot going on, but I still, I don't miss um, because of that. Right. And I feel like the breakdown that I had happened for me in 2018 was that because like, yeah, now rapping or emceeing, you have to be a thing or you have to, you know, rhyme or something. You got to look a certain way. It's so much. And it's like, nah, man, like yo, make music make music from your heart and from your life, make good music and, you know, share your truth and be yourself. Yeah. Like that's really, I'm really excited. Um, and those are on clubhouse, uh, Sundays at, is it noon? You there mahogany? I think. You're... Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll yeah. have it on. Yeah. yeah it's, at... it's at noon, right? Yeah. Um, Sundays. Yep. Noon so... to one. Yeah, noon to one on Clubhouse. So anybody listening, you know, check that out for sure. So let's just, um, can you just tell us, you know, we we touched on most of the like modern stuff, but I just want to go back just for a little bit and then we'll be, and then we'll end with this. But 
I wanted to, uh, you, you know, if you could just touch on a little bit about your, you know, you've had some major success in what we would call mainstream. And I wanted you to touch on that a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think most of it, I guess, is is now. I think I'm still trying to figure out like what that looks like. I mean, I mean, I guess the marker of what started all would be like, you know, just the whole BT 106 and Park Freestyle Friday thing, which was like way back. Um, and then, oh, and then I think just moving <laughs> forward. That, like so fast, like as if everybody had the opportunity. <laughs> it's crazy to me. Yeah. I'm okay. Listening. I'm sorry. She's not here yeah. for it. Oh, Ellie. Come here, mama. Ellie. She's like, I'm sleeping. Ellie, sleepy. You sleepy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're... <laughs> yeah. Ellie's so, done. We'll bring you back. So, okay. And when we bring you back, we'll dig into all that. Oh, okay. Say goodnight. <laughs> Say goodnight, Elle. Well, before you go, Ellie, let, let, let mommy at least tell her, you know, where people could find her and uh, that's about the song about you. Elsa, no. Okay, yes. Um, available on all streaming platforms. Please hit me up on Instagram too. It's um, M-A-H-O-G-A-N-Y-J-O-N-Z. Um, and yeah, Floating is the latest EP. So please check it out. And, you know, my other music too as well. Sugar Water, classic, I love Oh, and yeah, that's that. <laughs> Go to my website, mahoganyjones.com. Um, and good night. <laughs> good night. I'm sorry. Love you. Don't, don't, don't be sorry. We love you. We love you too, Ellie. Love you too. <laughs> we gotta get that single, uh, Ellie. That's what she's saying. She said. <laughs> She's like, forget all this. Get my singing. Get my song. Yeah. Oh, we love you. We love you. Oh, love you too, Pipe. Love you guys. See you, Brittany. Nice meeting you, um, Jaira. All right. Night, night. All right. Good night. Peace. Right. Yeah. So that was pretty cool, huh, Jaira? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, I wonder, is Brittany still with us? You there, Brittany? I think Brittany fell asleep. So, Jaira. Yeah, definitely did. Yeah, leave us with some some great words. Um, I just want to say, make sure you all stay safe out there and watch your surroundings because you never know there might be a drone watching you. <laughs> just kidding, but just make sure that you stay safe. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you stay safe, stay safe, and make sure you um, try to learn something new each and every day. Oh, thank you for that. Um, so then I'll just say, continue listening to Piper Carter podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And, um, we're on all streaming platforms. You can check us out on social media. We are, we have a Facebook group where we have lots of conversation, Piper Carter podcast. Of course, we are on Instagram, pc.podcast and yeah, Check us out on DetroitIsDifferent.net with all of the other amazing podcasts. And we will see you next halo. Become anything you pray for. In hard times, let God shine. Pave a way if it ain't a way. If you feel afraid, we gon' keep you safe. We gon' teach you how to keep the faith. Jazzy show you how to paint. We'll start a business where you ate. 
Your big brother helped me stand tall. Only lessons never lost. Part of see if you can't get across. If you fall, learn to shake it off. Be a star in your own sky. Can't wait to hug you, see your soul shine. Uh. Be ever true. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.